Good evening, and welcome to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program, sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church in New York City, a church that is committed to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in an atmosphere of love. Please join us this hour as Pastor Matthew Recker opens the Word of God and then brings others, including you, into the conversation. Tonight, we'll seek to have a dialogue that will glorify God and will show how the Bible is relevant to everyday life. Our desire is to lead people to salvation in Christ and encourage believers in their spiritual growth. Join us and build up your own heritage of faith. Welcome and thanks for joining us for another episode of the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program hosted by Pastor Matthew Recker. My name is Micah. I'm the ministry assistant at Heritage. And tonight we will finish up our series on the I Am Statements of Jesus Christ. As always, if you would like to join in our conversation or if you'd like prayer, we have call screeners standing by all hour and they can be reached at 929-333-3739. Pastor Matt. I heard that you don't like golf. Why not? Very simple, Micah. Because yeah. you can do almost everything right, mess up one shot, and it ruins the whole <laughs> ruins the, the that particular hole. Okay. And in golf, there's there's various skills. Yeah. It's like in one in one hole, you might hit a great drive. Yeah. But then you mess up your iron shot, and do good putting. Then the next hole you hit your driver shot into the you know into the bunker or something mm, like that mm-hmm. and then the the next hole you mess up your putt yeah so it's like every hole you could do everything right but if you do one thing wrong you just mess it up plus uh-huh. i don't like the stress of people looking at you when you golf like when you're <laughs> shooting you know when you're like standing over the ball everybody's like the eyeballs are on you it's a lot of pressure in yeah. golf so i don't really like golf but it reminds me of peter yeah when the day that he walked on the water he did, like, everything right, Okay. except he ended up sinking. Mm. So that's, that's the connection okay, there. Gotcha. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. All right, so we're going to look at Peter tonight and how Jesus walked on the water when the disciples were alone mm. and when they were in the dark and they were stuck in the middle of that storm. Yeah. And then Peter sank mm. in the storm. One mm-hmm. of the famous stories of the Bible in yeah. Matthew chapter 14, it's going to be a great study this evening, I believe, and we're glad to have our dear brother Raul Cordero uh, with us tonight. Thank you for joining us, Raul. Thank you, Pastor. And, and also, we just want to encourage the listeners that if you sense that you're alone and you're wondering, where is Jesus Christ? What is he doing? Why am I going through this? We would love to have you give us a call at 929-333-3739. Maybe you're stuck in a situation. You're just, you're like in a rut, stuck in a rut somewhere, and you you just feel like you can't get out of that rut. Well, pray, give us a call. Let us pray with you, and, and that God will give you that grace and motivation to get out of that rut. Mm. Or maybe you just feel discouraged and depressed, alone, in, in the dark, in a storm. Or maybe you're sinking in the middle of your storm. Mm. And that's what we're going to look at tonight, Micah. Yeah. So we're going to uh, we look forward to this program. Mm-hmm. And But before we, we, before we get more into this, and we're going to read the scripture in just a moment, yeah. tell the listeners as well about next week and the coming days, because this is our last I Am. Yeah, so what is, are we going to do next? Well, this is the last episode that we're doing in the I Am Statements of Jesus Christ. And we are going to start a new series on the book of Romans, but we're not going to do it next week. Next week, we're actually going to take a pause and do a live Q&A with you, Pastor, because okay. I've 
I've gathered a lot of questions over the last few months. Oh. No, but we haven't done a Q&A, a Bible Q&A in a while, I think since 2020, so, uh, 2021. So we're going to do that. So callers, if you have questions about the Bible, of course you can call in any Sunday. But if you have specific burning questions, make note of them and then give us a call next week. And if they want, Micah, if they want you to specifically answer the question, they should they should let the call screeners know. If you have a question for Micah, it's only for Micah, not for me. Give us a call at 929-333-3739. But I might hit the ball no, into no, a sand trap. Yeah, that, I, you <laughs> I don't just like might. golfing either. I know, I know. A lot of pressure will be on you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we're, we're so excited to be here this evening to share God's Word. And we're going to look at Jesus walking on the water. And the title of our program tonight we're calling I Am Be Not Afraid. Because this is kind of like a hidden I Am mm-hmm. statement. Because when Jesus does come to them walking on the water... He says to the disciples, it is I, it is I. And that literally is ego me. That's the I am. When he says, be of good cheer, Mm. it is I, I am, be not afraid. So this is the last I am declaration that we will be covering in this series. So this evening, let's begin. Uh, Brother Raul, if you could start us off reading in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And Nana is a special guest reader tonight. She'll follow you up after that. Matthew 14. And straight away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straight away Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Okay, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, O Lord, for our time here tonight, O God. We thank you that we serve you, O God, and you are with us, Lord, through every storm that we encounter, O God. And no matter how dark or grievous a situation, Lord, the circumstances may appear, Father, you are our ever-present help in a time of trouble, Lord. So I pray, Father, that you would be glorified tonight, Lord, and that if there be any listening, and I'm sure there are some, Lord, who are going through a storm right now and may feel that they are alone, Lord, that they will find words of comfort, O oh God. So we thank you. We give you all honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So trials are such a common part of each of 
of our lives, mm-hmm. are they not, dear friends? Yeah. And many people do want to know, where is God in the midst of the storm when it's so dark and I feel alone? And what is God doing when I'm drowning in tears and struggling to just get a little ahead, but I'm just so stuck in a standstill and nothing's happening? There seems to be no change in my circumstances. And why does God seem far away and indifferent to the heartache that I face when I'm sinking? I'm sinking! And, and it's like, why is God allowing this? Mm. So this mm-hmm. story really deals, doesn't it, Micah, yeah. with all of these different issues. But Jesus comes and he says, be of good cheer. I am. Be not afraid. And so praise God for Jesus that he is always the answer. So we're going to look tonight, first of all, that when you're alone, we can be confident that when you're alone and in the dark, Jesus is praying for you. Now, it says in John chapter 6, in the parallel passage to this narrative, it was now dark, and Jesus was not come to them. And the sea arose by reason of a great wind that blew. And here in Matthew's gospel, it says that Jesus had constrained or commanded his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him to the other side. He sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the multitudes away, what did he go to do? He went up into the mountain, Mm -hmm. and he was praying for them. So there were the disciples in this great storm, alone and in the dark. How do you think they felt? Well, haven't you been alone in the storm, dear friends, in darkness, not knowing what is going on? And again, if you want us to pray with you in your storm, give us a call at 929-333-3739. But uh, Raul, could you share a situation maybe in your experience where you have felt that way? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, my wife was supposed to be with us tonight, but she's not feeling well. But, you know, she wanted to share about a time not too long ago. And uh, it was just shortly after uh, COVID hit and everybody's kind of life got altered. And she was working. She was deemed an essential worker. She had to go in every single day. And just before all that came down, they lost a position for someone who was working with her. My wife's workload essentially doubled. Mm. And it was a really difficult situation for her because of what we were going through. Um, They weren't able just to hire someone. And it was difficult for me as a husband to see my wife come home every day. And she was just physically and emotionally exhausted to the point of shedding tears at times. And, uh, you know, there were even moments where I think she might have contemplated uh, quitting. And, you know, we prayed together. We cried together. And, uh, Mm. you know, I praise the Lord that her prayers were answered. And so she felt so alone at times and she felt like the situation was never going to end. And in our humanness, sometimes even questioning, Lord, are you there? Are you listening? Is this ever going to end? I can't take it. And to the Lord's glory, I'm just so happy to say that not only did my wife get a new co-worker, but she got a fellow believer. Wow. And there's a young lady there named Orly who works with my wife. And not only has it made my wife's work life easier, but these ladies fellowship together. They serve the Lord together at work. And the Lord was with her through the storm. So I praise the Lord for that. Wow. You know, as as you were sharing that, I, I thought back when I was a student at Clemson University, and I wasn't a Christian, and... I was about. I had to take a, a history exam, and the history exam was basically all essay questions. You had to write out long answers, and I sometimes do get nervous. And when I get nervous, my hands shake, 
And, you know, it's very hard to write when your hands are shaking. But I, I started to get, like, a panic attack about this. And when I got the exam, I could not write. Hmm. And I felt so alone. Oh, wow. I felt, like, completely in the dark. Because I was alone. I didn't yeah. know the Lord. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, was, I, was lo- I was a lost sinner. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was so filled with fear. Mm. And thankfully, I asked my professor. I said, I'm really nervous. I, I can't stop shaking right now. Mm-hmm. And he let me go into another room. And I was able to at least calm down, uh, yeah, calm down and, yeah. and to write my answers. But, you know, it was because of things like that. Uh-huh. That was going on in my life yeah. of like an uncontrollable fear mm. that I knew I needed the Lord. Mm. And I've had, honestly, I, I get, still have had certain situations like panic attacks as a believer, mm-hmm. but nothing like that. Mm. And I thank God that he's with me. And I'm always reminded that how much I need Jesus Christ because I will fall apart mm. without him. Wow. <laughs> I will really fall apart. Yeah. With, but thank God for his presence that he is with me, and I'm, he took my fears away, generally speaking. So mm-hmm. praise God. Praise God. That we're not alone. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is praying. And I believe he was praying for me in that situation, you know, and through that. And like I said, that's how, that's how God led me to salvation. So as we look at this story, what are some ways the disciples could have found comfort in this storm? So there they were in the fourth watch of the night. It says they were in the middle of the sea, and they were tossed with waves. The wind was contrary. And so how could the disciples have found comfort uh, in that storm, Raul? Yeah, well, of course, it's easy to see why they would find so much distress with everything that was going on around them. But, you know, the disciples also should have recalled that they were not the only people that have ever felt alone. I mean, some of our greatest heroes in the faith in both the New and Old Testaments, you know, have been there. We mm. see the psalmist so many right. times writing so about times. how long and where are you, Lord, and how I bathed my bed with my tears. Mm. Uh, we've read of uh, Isaiah uh, writing of, you know, the God that sometimes he said couldn't be found. And, you know, I thought of the disciples as I studied this, and just a few short chapters before in Matthew they were in another predicament where they were on a boat and there was a massive storm. Now, of course, our Lord was physically present uh, in, in that particular scene. But nonetheless, yeah. they saw the power of the Lord to calm the winds and they were amazed. Mm-hmm. They should have taken comfort in knowing that our Lord is all powerful and will take care of anything. Yeah, I mean, there, there were that, in that storm, of course, he was sleeping. So they wondered if he if he cared. But I do love the Psalms and how they really bring out the human emotion of even great men of God who go through things, like in Psalm 28, the psalmist says, Unto thee will I cry, O Lord, my rock. Be not silent to me, lest if you be silent to me, I will be like them that go down into the pit. In other words, I'd be no different from a lost person if you're silent to me. And sometimes we do feel that way, even in our prayers. It's like, God, I'm praying, but why don't you answer? Why are you silent to me? So sometimes we get in a storm and we just hear the silence of God. Even as it says in Psalm 102, verse 2, Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. And so, dear friends, if you are in that storm, know this, that Jesus is praying for you. Right, Mm -hmm. Micah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
you know, being a disciple of Jesus is kind of like life. It's kind of like these testimonies that we're sharing tonight. It's an emotional roller coaster. You know, think of the disciples. One minute they were experiencing the incredible victory of Jesus feeding 5,000 hungry men and their families with just mm. five loaves and two fish. And the next minute they were in the middle of the wind and the waves, fearing for their lives in the storm. And in their fear, the disciples forgot the promises of God spoken of in the Old Testament. Uh, you guys mentioned some Psalms earlier. There's also Psalm 139, which specifically talked about the sea and the darkness and how God was with them wherever they would go. But the Apostle Paul also said it, but he said it in a different way in Romans 8, 34. He said, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And although I personally, I'm tempted to give the disciples a pass on their fear because I think, you know, I probably would have reacted the same way. But we have to remember these 12 men had been with Jesus for a length of time already and had seen all of his miracles. And Jesus himself did not give them a pass. His words to them were, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Hmm. Yeah. The amazing thing to me is that Jesus Christ, in a way, I, I think he's preparing the disciples for ministry mm-hmm. without his physical presence. Yeah. And I, I believe that's one reason why he sent them into the boat and he was going to go up into the mountain and intercede for them. Mm-hmm. Because that's what life was actually going to look like yeah. for them mm-hmm. after he... <laughs> ascended into heaven Mm -hmm. he wouldn't physically be there Mm -hmm. but he would be with them by the holy spirit and he would be praying for them just the same way and so he went up into that mountain to pray and do you think he saw them the whole time didn't Mm -hmm. he see them the whole time Mm -hmm. i mean that's the sense we get from that story that he he saw them he's and he knew exactly when to go to them and he sees us as well dear friends and i love hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 that says wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. It's as if Jesus has a lot to do, no doubt, mm-hmm. <laughs> holding the world together with yeah. the power of his word. Mm-hmm. But it's as if he has nothing else to do but to pray for us. Mm-hmm. He ever liveth, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He is our great high priest who has passed into the heavens. And he, these are praying times for, for us to pray and know that he is interceding for us as we intercede to, to the Father in his name. And so, dear friends, never forget that. Mm-hmm. When you are afraid, when you are in the dark, when you are alone, that Jesus Christ ever lives to pray for you. And he can save those who are in the guttermost to the uttermost. Mm. I always remember. I wasn't. That's, I stole that one for sure. Oh, I was just going to say, Pastor, as you, um, you're reading those scriptures from Hebrews and des- describing how Jesus had his eyes on the disciples, whether or not he was actually with them presently, his eyes were on them. And then his yeah. eyes were on them still after he ascended into heaven, you know, and, and their right. life, you know, didn't stop being a roller coaster. You know, they were beaten and yeah. imprisoned, but then they were, you know, let out of jail by an angel. And then, you know, all of them except John did die. Um, with persecution from you know all all the opposing forces, so their lives continued to be that roller coaster. But he had prepared them for that mission. That's right. Even when Stephen was being s- martyred and killed, you know Jesus was actually standing, mm. and Stephen yeah. saw him standing and receiving him, as Stephen said, "Lord Jesus, you know, receive my spirit." So, dear friends, don't be afraid. 
trust God with all your heart. And give us a call right now. We're going to go to a beautiful song. Be not afraid, for I am with you. Give us a call at 929-333-3739. We want to hear from you right now at 929-333-3739. Be not afraid, I have called you by name. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the floods, they will not sweep o'er you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be consumed. You are mine, you are precious in my sight. Be not is what we must always remember and never forget we are precious in the sight of jesus christ so when we are alone in the dark remember that jesus is praying for us he ever lives to make intercession secondly we're going to look at now when you're stuck in the middle of the sea making no progress after putting so much effort into this because the disciples were rowing and rowing and rowing seeking to go forward, and that seems like they were just stuck in the middle of that storm. And that's what is happening here in Matthew 14 and verse 25. So when you're stuck and seemingly making no progress, remember Jesus is present. He's going to come speaking to you. But first, Micah, in verse 25, mm-hmm. Matthew 14:25, maybe read that passage for us, but what does that teach us about the storms that we face in this life? Sure, uh, Matthew fourteen twenty five, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Um, the disciples didn't realize it as they were rowing and rowing and not getting anywhere. 
that they were actually in the exact place that Jesus wanted them to be. The Lord mm-hmm. had them far enough from their starting place so that they couldn't safely turn back. Yeah, but also good. they were too far from their destination to feel confident that they were even going to get there. So they were completely helpless. And Jesus brought them to that point in order to bolster their faith with his miraculous appearance. So in that storm, he revealed his power first by walking on the waves, second by allowing Peter to do the same, and finally by calming the storm. So no one but the creator of the wind and the waves could have done this, only the great I am. And this miracle bolstered the disciples' faith, and it should bolster our our faith as well. Um, When we're in the middle of life storms, we, we have to think back to these stories. We have to think back to the miracles of our Lord Jesus and just say, okay, he got the disciples through the storm. I know he's gotten me through storms in the past, and he can do it again. Yeah, there's an old adage that says if we're not going forward, we must be moving backward. Mm. But A.B. Bruce says in in his great classic work, The Training of the Twelve, talks about how sometimes it's a great achievement to stand still in the midst of the storm. And that it may be the, the greatest success of your life, and it will be a triumph. For you to stand still in the storm. And, and I even like that in Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus and writing about the satanic powers, a number of times he just says, Stand, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore. Mm. So sometimes when we're going up against satanic powers mm-hmm. or real difficult situations, sometimes we just have to stand our ground and not get it. Maybe we're not going to go forward, but we're not going to... We're not going to fall back either. We're going to stand. So stand strong, dear friends. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah. I, th- I think it's interesting that Jesus sent them to Bethsaida. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark tells us that. And Bethsaida, it means house of fish. That's what the name of the town is. And it was the original hometown of the four fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. And so I just think, you know, Jesus called them to go to this very familiar place. So they, they were, you know, they're getting in the boat thinking they're going to go to this place of safety and comfort and familiarity. And we're going to be on the Sea of Galilee, which we've been on the sea a million times. But then the minute they get there, it was yeah. dark and the winds arose and the waves. So they were just completely frightened as they thought they were going to just go somewhere safe. Yeah, something so familiar to them, but yet filled with fear. And they were stuck. And I think all of us can relate to this. I know mm-hmm. I can, yeah. where you so desperately want to go forward. You want to go forward in your life financially. You want to go forward to get out of your health problem. But then you just get stuck in sickness or you get stuck with cancer or maybe you get stuck in your, your unemployment situation and your financial problems. I mean, and sometimes, you know, many times in as a pastor in a church, I've you know, you feel stuck in church. Mm. You know, you want the church to grow, and yet the church, everybody's going on vacation, or, yeah. you know, visitors <laughs> visitors aren't coming, and yeah. and then a, a members say, oh, I'm going to leave the church, or, you know, or people are moving, and, mm-hmm. and you say, oh, just when you, you start to get new people in, it's other people leave, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and you just seem to, like, stay at that standstill spot. Mm. You know, so I have felt that way as a, as a pastor of a church, but, you know, sometimes in the city, you just have to praise God that we're still standing. Yeah. You know, actually today, one of my favorite pizza places, <laughs> I noticed they closed. Oh, really? And I say, well, we haven't closed yet, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's like a really good pizza place, yeah. Dirty Dirty Toid. Yeah. It's called Dirty Dirty Toid. We used to stop there all the time. And, it, yeah, it's closed. And so so God is allowing our church to, to keep on going. Dear friends, have you ever felt stuck at a standstill? 
maybe stuck in some illness, financial problem, you didn't know how to get out of it, give us a call. We will pray for you. If you even call us right now, I'll offer a prayer for one of our callers if they want to give us mm-hmm. a call at 929-333-3739. Or maybe you just want to share a, a story, an illustration of your own life and how you were stuck at making no progress, but Jesus got you out of it. So, Raul, what does Jesus teach the disciples as he comes now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them and the disciples saw him walking on the sea, but they weren't sure who it was, right? So what does Jesus teach them as Jesus comes walking on the water to meet them? Well, of course, we read they thought it was a ghost. But our Lord right away teaches them that it's him. He reinforces the fact that he is ever-present. He is there. And I love the fact that our Lord speaks to them. Be of good cheer. Mm. It is I. Our Lord comes with good news. Be not afraid. Be not afraid. And that's important. The scripture says that he is our shepherd and we know his voice and we are to yield to him. And so I would encourage anyone who's listening. I mean, most of us are not going to be in some sort of physical storm like the disciples. But listen, there are voices out there that are calling to try to distract us as we're going through our situations. And brothers and sisters, let's keep our eyes uh, on the Lord, the author and finisher of our faith, as Hebrew says. Yeah. And the the reality of the storm is there was Jesus, but did they know it to be Jesus? Yeah, no. They mm-hmm. thought they thought they were seeing a ghost or mm-hmm. a spirit. Yeah. And so, the truth there that we can glean is that storms can blur our vision mm-hmm. from seeing the Lord. Mm-hmm. What we must do in the storm is see Jesus Christ and know that He's with us. But sometimes the storm can blur our vision from the very real presence of Christ that we need mm-hmm. at that moment. And then, Raul, you mentioned the word that he spoke, and we're going to get specifically into those words in just a moment, but just in general, what, I, what we can see from the story is that they needed his word mm. in the middle of that storm, mm-hmm. and that it's his word that is a breakthrough, that will give us the breakthrough that we need in our trial and in our situation. Yeah, you know what, Pastor, this also reminds me, there's a sort of like a poem, something that people put on their homes, Christians, um, and it's, you know, you could definitely say it's a cliche, but there's that, it's the footprints, that story of the yeah. footprints. Yeah, oh yeah. And this yeah, reminds me of that, where, you know, the, the to sum it up, it's just this idea that like when somebody's going through a trial, they say, God, where are you? God, where are you? And then they look down and see only one set of footprints, but then they realize it was actually his footprints because he was carrying them. That's and right. yeah, it's a cliche, but you know, it's it's a cl- cliche because many people have experienced that. I've experienced it. We've all experienced it, where Jesus is carrying us, but we don't even realize it until after we've gone through the situation. Yeah, and one of my life verses, of course, is in Acts at chapter eighteen and verse ten, and Paul was discouraged and afraid there in Corinth. I think I believe he was fearing another beating because people were being saved and it was going to anger the Jewish leadership there in Corinth. But the Lord came to Paul and said, be not afraid, but speak. In other words, keep on speaking. Don't stop your speaking. Do not hold your peace. And then he said, for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in the city. And beloved, when Jesus spoke to Paul and said, I am with thee, it's 
It's the Word of God in the midst of the moments that we're afraid in, through which we experience His presence. Mm-hmm. So if we're going to feel and really experience the presence of God, we have to experience God speaking to us. Mm-hmm. So His Word will give us that breakthrough we need is what I'm saying. And that's what He comes to them in the storm, speaking to them. So let's look exactly at what Jesus says when he comes to them. And I call this the stormy statements of Jesus. And there are three of them. The f- there's two commands. The first and the third are commands sandwiched with a promise. So you could call it the stormy statements, it's the, which is a sandwich promise. <laughs> no, no. A, it rolls a, off the a tongue. A promise sandwich. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it just rolled right <laughs> off the tongue there. A promise sandwich. The stormy statements of Jesus is like a promise sandwich here. I don't know what I'm talking about. Okay. But, That's good. That's good. but in the storm, he gives them a promise sandwich. A promise in the middle of two commands, right? So the first command, Jesus says, be of good cheer. Now, you know what they can expect when Jesus says that? Hmm. Be of good in the middle of the storm. Hmm. That makes, like, no sense. No sense, yeah. At all. Uh-huh. But, you know... And and I don't say this as a cliche, nor as a prosperity gospel preacher, because I'm not. Yeah. But they can expect something good at that moment. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because whenever Jesus said, be of good cheer, he told to the woman of issue of blood, yeah. and he healed her. Be of good cheer, he said to Paul in the great storm, in, in uh, Acts 23, when he was facing the storm and persecution, be of good cheer. Be of good cheer, he told the man who was... Uh, brought down through the roof. Remember the guy brought down the roof? Mm-hmm. Be of good cheer. And mm-hmm. he healed him. Yeah. So when when he says be of good cheer, mm. something good is going to happen. He's showing up. So the idea of be of good cheer is in the middle of the storm, we can be courageous, mm. confident, and even cheerful. That's not easy to be no. cheerful <laughs> in a storm. That's not my natural temperament no. <laughs> to just be cheerful. But we can be confident and we can maintain courage because that's the promise mm-hmm. and the command. That's the command that Jesus gives to us. So, Michael, what else does Jesus say? Yeah, well, in the heart of his statement, there are two Greek words that are translated, it is I. And by now, these two words, ego and me, as you were talking about earlier, Pastor, should be familiar to us. They are usually translated, I am, making this one of the I am statements of Jesus Christ. And these words would have been a great comfort to the disciples, especially because they thought he was a ghost. Um But instead, they were seeing the God of the universe, Mm -hmm. the I am that I am, revealed to Moses in the fire, was now being revealed to them in the storm. So Jesus was making a great promise to his followers that he would never leave them or forsake them. Mm -hmm. And we can cling to the same promise today. Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us. He is the bread who feeds us. He is the light who guides. In his vine Mm -hmm. we abide. In his truth we reside. And all these I am statements uh, just... When you put them all together, Jesus is everything that we need. Praise God for this amazing promise. This is the I am promise. And Peter talks about the promises of God being exceeding great and precious. Paul talks about the promises of God as 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 being all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. All the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God. And so his promise, dear friends is he is with you. And Raul, what is 
the third thing that Jesus says, and it's a command. Yeah, and it's a wonderful command. Be not afraid. Mm. And uh, it's a command that I, I can confess is uh, so much easier to say that I, I often follow it, but I don't. And, you know, the disciples also should have been conscious of the fact that throughout history, we, we see the Lord operating on behalf of his people in times of great fear and great and, and, and great difficulty. And, you know, I think of Micah mentioned cliches. You know, Psalm 23, one of the greatest uh, in Scripture, is probably one of the most quoted. And even amongst unbelievers, you know, almost any, you know, funeral type event, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And David goes on to say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are with me. And he hammers that in there. You know, I think of Paul instructing a young uh, pastor, Timothy, in, in his second epistle to Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. So, yes, it is a command, and it is one which I think at times every believer has struggled with, but we have to keep our confidence in the Lord. And, of course, this is a command. Somebody said there's probably 300 and however many days in the year. You know, mm. there's, there's a command like this, be not afraid for every day of the year, 362 mm. and a quarter. Is that yeah. how many days? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, with the leap year. Uh-huh. Um, God told Abraham, fear not. I am thy shield, thy exceeding great reward. Dear friends, are you afraid this evening? You're wondering how you're going to get through the storm. Are you stuck maybe in some illness or some deep difficulty and you feel so alone and in the dark? Give us a call that we can pray with you and for you tonight at 929-333-3739. Yeah, and Pastor, you just mentioned God's words to Abraham in Genesis. And so you could, you could just go through the whole Bible, yeah. this command of Jesus. It's throughout the whole Bible. I think of Joshua one nine. Have I not commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, yeah. neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And we could quote probably the whole program God's commands. We'll do that next week. <laughs> not to be, yeah, if there's no questions. We can just, we'll, we'll just give beautiful promises of God being with us and, mm. and that we don't have to be afraid in our situation and we can trust him and he is, he is there with us, dear friend, and he will lead you on through. And we want to invite you to our church as well. Some of you, if you're looking for a Bible-believing church, we would really be honored to have you as a guest at Heritage Baptist Church. Mm. On Sunday, we meet at 490 Hudson Street. That's in Greenwich Village. If you're coming from New Jersey, you could just take the PATH train right there to Christopher Street. It's a half a block from there. Mm -hmm. Or if you're coming from the city, the closest train is the one train to Christopher Street, Sheridan Square. Or you could take one of the multiple trains that go to West 4th Street, Mm -hmm. which is a very large stop there in Greenwich Village. And it's a short walk from there. We'd love to have you at 10 a.m. We have a Bible study hour. We have great adult classes, wonderful children's classes. Micah, you teach our youth along with Sister Hillary. And we have others who teach the younger children. We'd love to have you come. Bring your family. Bring your children. My wife teaches the uh, adult women's class. And she loves to teach the ladies. We have a great men's class, really good fellowship. We mm-hmm. have had a wonderful family recently come, and and he just loves this time. Mm. It's just a great time to fellowship, and everybody gets to share. 
And so come on out on Sunday at 490 Hudson Street. 10 a.m. is our Bible study. 11 a.m. is the morning service. We'd love to have you come. And also Wednesday, we have a great prayer meeting. We have our own church office, which is ours that we we bought. It's not large enough, though, to have our Sunday service. So therefore, that's why we meet in a school Sunday morning. But on Wednesday night, we meet at our church office, which is ours by purchase at 633 3rd Avenue. Come seek first the kingdom of God. You can always remember the address, 633 like Matthew 633, 633, 3rd Avenue. And there we are, very close to Grand Central Station. We'd love to have you come out on a Wednesday and to pray with us. Yeah, and and our church isn't necessarily the type of church where you slip in and slip out. I remember my sec- by my <laughs> second Sunday, I was going to the men's Bible study at 10 a.m. in the morning. And it was a really great way for me to meet the other men in the church and get to know you, Pastor, and Pastor Carmine. Um, so... You know, our church is geared toward people getting to know each other, geared toward community, um, so that when we are in a storm, we can be praying for each other yeah. and walking alongside each other. It wasn't that long. Do you remember the first time you visited our yeah, church? What was it ago. like? What what seven. did what was your first impressions? Hopefully they were good. I, yeah. I did, we didn't plan this question, mm-hmm. so say something good. <laughs> no, no uh, I remember the people sitting around me were very nice, very friendly. Um, I asked about the adult. Bible Fellowship at yeah. 10 a.m. I had listened to a sermon of yours online before I ever came. So to me, yeah. right away, it just felt it felt right. Um, you came up to me after service. We talked for a while. You introduced me to a couple other people. So, you know, if yeah. you, you want to come in and not be seen, that might not be. We're going to say hello to you. Yeah, be. we're going to we're going to say hello to you. We're not like this <laughs> massive crowd, you know, yeah. where you could just like come in and and, and hide and then slip out. But people will be friendly to you. Yeah. And, and because we, we, I believe we are a loving church, not a perfect church, but we are a loving church. Roel, what was it like when you first came to Heritage? Well, just maybe because you know what? It's a scary thing to actually go visit a church mm. and just kind of show up. Maybe maybe somebody will come by themselves, and they're like, that's a little intimidating. Mm-hmm. So we don't want you to feel intimidated coming to our church, but that you're kind of coming into a family that is going to welcome you. But what would, what did you feel like when you first visited our church? Yeah, you know, I actually am quite a bit of a shy person. And, you know, I showed up to Heritage. I was a committed alcoholic. I was just running a foul. Um, my marriage was in shambles. And uh, I got to tell you, I felt, you know, a little bit the first time I went in, almost intimidated. But very quickly, I got to tell you, starting from you, Pastor, and Micah, and some other wonderful people from from that day to this day, there have just mm. been so many dear brothers who still walk with me, comfort me, help me, uh, have been direct with me, um, but have loved me through everything. I've made some incredible friends and brothers and sisters in Christ, and I just praise the Lord that I'm able to serve the Lord there. And now mm. over three years without a sip of alcohol, I'm making more friends uh, every day. Praise God. Praise God. And uh, you, you guys are such a blessing in our church. And your great friends. Okay, so let's go back into our text in Matthew 14. They were alone, but Jesus was praying for them. They were stuck in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, but Jesus came present, speaking to them. And lastly, we see sinking. When you're sinking, mm. Jesus is powerful to lift you up. So there in the middle of that storm, Peter sees Jesus coming to him, and he says, Lord, if that's you, Command me, bid me to come to you on the water. And Jesus commanded Peter now. Mm -hmm. He says, you want me to command you? Okay, here's the command. Come. Come. Mm -hmm. And so he commanded Peter. So what do you think led Peter to 
want to walk on the water in the mm-hmm. middle of that storm? Wasn't he safer in the boat? But what led Peter, do you think, to climb out of the ship? What was in his personality? What was in his thinking? Do you think? Let's just try to get into Peter's mind a little yeah. bit there, Mike. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when I think about nature, I think that God designed nature um, that in groups there's a leader that emerges. You know, when you look at bees or elephants or lions or even people, you know, usually in a group of people, a leader emerges. And then when they lead with strength, then the others can follow with confidence. And Peter was just that mm-hmm. leader. He emerged from within the group of his disciples. And over and over, for better or for worse, we see Peter jumping into the front of the pack, taking the lead. And I'll just give a couple of uh Examples. So Peter was the first to call Jesus the Christ, the Son of the Living God. He was the first to speak at the Transfiguration. Uh, Peter was the first to tell Jesus that he'd be willing to die with him the night before the crucifixion. Mm. And Peter was also the first to defend Jesus by cutting off the ear of Malchus in the Garden of Gethsemane. So in this scene, in the storm, it's another example of Peter's role in the group. And I can only assume that his leader's instinct really had kicked in here and was the major motivating factor for literally stepping out in faith to walk on the water. He was willing to take the risk to go to Jesus. Yeah. So it wasn't he was trying to be better than the other disciples. No. I don't think that. I don't think it was his pride. Oh, I'm, I'm better than Matthew. I can mm. walk on the water. You know, it wasn't Peter trying to outshine the other apostles. It was just really Peter being Peter, mm-hmm. that he was naturally bold and enthusiastic. And he wanted to get to Jesus yeah. in the middle of that storm. I do believe that was Peter's real motive there. So, Raul, when Peter then jumps out of the boat, what happens next? Well, we kind of all know what happens next, but let's let's talk about what happens next as he jumped out of the boat, and why did it happen? Well, we see Peter's uh, eagerness and his faith, and he actually does walk on water, and almost as quickly he as does. he starts walking on water, he begins uh, to sink. And, you know, and Scripture tells us that he... He, it's almost like he really came to notice just how severe the, the waves and the wind were. He took his eyes off of Christ. You know, it's important to note that nothing changed in the conditions of the storm from when he was on the boat until he got off. What changed was from after he started walking on the water was he took his eyes off of Christ and started focusing on the storm. And that was uh, his, his downfall into the water, if, if you will. That's why I said earlier, Micah, that Peter does everything right. Like he hits the he hits the tee shot and he mm-hmm. gets into the boat. Yeah. Jesus said, get into the boat. Okay, mm-hmm. he got in the boat. Mm-hmm. And then he's in the midst of the storm and he's working. He's not giving up. Mm-hmm. They're rowing, trying to get to the other side. So he's he hit his he hit his chip shot, okay. you know, yeah. uh-huh. uh, up to the to the green. And then he he says, Lord, if that's you, let you call me. I don't mm-hmm. want to get out of the boat, mm-hmm. except I have your word to do it. Yeah. So. Jesus gave him the word, Mm -hmm. and he obeyed. The Lord said, come. So he was, at that point, just obeying the Lord. Mm -hmm. So he's doing everything right. Mm. And then he missed his putt. Yeah. He missed the putt. (laughs) When he got, and he, he like, (laughs) three-putted, and he messed up the hole, so to say. You know, because it does say, it says he walked on the water. Mm. Now, who else walked on the water in all of humanity that mm-hmm. I, I don't know anybody mm-hmm. who literally no. it does say he walked on the water but when he saw that wind it and the boisterous he was afraid and he began to sink mm. well you know i i thought that there is kind of a parallel though in the bible with the old testament story of jonah and 
I, I would say that, okay, maybe that's a coincidence, but no, Jesus sometimes refers to Peter as Simon, son of Jonah. So I don't think it's a coincidence. Remember, mm. the Jonah 2 was in a boat in the sea. Um, God allowed a terrible storm to get Jonah's attention. D- Jonah 2 was lacking faith, not fully trusting the Lord. Jonah 2 volunteered to be cast into the sea. And Jonah 2 prayed for salvation. Let me just read a couple of verses from Jonah chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the belly of the fish mm. and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Later in the chapter, Jonah says, salvation is of the Lord. So we do see this parallel in Simon, the son of Jonah, and Jonah. So I do think there is this pattern in the Bible where God uses these storms to get people's attentions. Yeah, that's, that's great. What a great illustration and parallel between Jonah and Peter there. And what's amazing with this story as well is that the same conditions that existed when Peter was in the boat... Mm-hmm existed when he was out of the boat. Mm-hmm. So it's not like there wasn't strong, wind, boisterous wind and waves only when he got out of the boat. Right. It's not <laughs> like the wind, the waves kicked up when he yeah. was... No. So when he was in the boat, he saw the waves and the wind, but then he's a Lord, let me come to you. Yeah. He's, he, he's willing to do it. He thought he could do it. Mm-hmm. But then when he got in the middle of the waves, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe they seem bigger when you're in the middle mm-hmm. of the waves mm-hmm. than when yeah. you're in the boat. Yeah. You know, so, and, and I thought about that, and I thought about how often in life, when we're in the safety of the boat, even though we know, okay, there's, there's trials out there, there's some yeah. wind and waves out there, mm-hmm. but I can do it, mm-hmm. you know. And so we have a tendency to think when we're in the, in the boat that we can kind of do it. And maybe Peter got out of the boat, and then he that's and then he took his eyes off of Jesus, and he began to sink. And we all have done that in different situations where we thought, oh, I could do that, and and then we get in the middle of that situation, and we sink. Have uh, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I I just think uh, one example is just anyone who's ever been called to do any kind of ministry, you know, from lay ministry to you know ministry within a church situation. Um, you know, throughout the centuries, many people have had that desire. And the Bible tells us that the desire is a good thing. In fact, it's a Mm. desire to fulfill Jesus's great commission. But also, I would say that anyone involved in ministry for any length of time will tell you that there are stormy moments, as you were just talking about, Pastor. Um, And you know, as well as anyone that a minister of the gospel, there are times where you pour your time, your energy, your efforts, and your prayer into people who may eventually disappoint you or even walk away from the faith in the worst case scenario. And those are the moments when the minister must keep their eyes on Jesus, realize that the same thing that happened to him, they have to just keep moving forward and keep obeying, even though, you know, Jesus was abandoned as well. Yeah. And, you know, that that's so true. I mean, it's easy to, to maybe look at a pastor and say, oh, wow, I could preach like that. And maybe mm. you could preach better than the pastor. Mm. But the, the reality in the ministry is that Sunday's going to come yeah. real fast. <laughs> and Sunday comes and then, oh, Wednesday's coming. And I have to prepare a message for Wednesday. Oh, and then Sunday. Mm. And I, I could preach two good sermons. Yeah. But as a pastor, you can't just preach two good sermons. No. You have to preach every Sunday and every Wednesday. Yeah. And then, you know, and it, it can get overwhelming. Yeah. And it just keeps like rolling so fast, you know. And so we have to trust God. The key is keeping our eyes in on the Lord mm. and keeping our heart attuned to his word 
and that's how we make it in the ministry. So, and in marriage, I think of a little bit of like marriage like this too, right, Raul? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I remember, and again, I think most of you know my testimony. And, um, you know, when, when I met my wife, I, had, I said, hey, I, I met a really great girl. And I was a heavy drinker. And I said, you know what? I said, if I meet the right girl, I'll just give up drinking. And uh, for about the first six weeks of my marriage, I actually went uh, without a drink. Mm. And I was so proud of myself. Wow. Pride came in. Yeah. And then I hit rock bottom. And when I look back, I realize it's because... You know, I wasn't looking at the storm through the lens of Scripture. I was looking at it through my own strength. I will get this done. I can accomplish this. Uh, but praise the Lord. Um, my wife held my hand through it. Um, I came to my wit's end. And uh, through that praise calamity God. and that storm, the Lord rescued and saved me. And so see that picture. When Peter's in the boat, his eyes are on Jesus. When he got in the storm, he took his eyes off of Jesus onto the waves. Mm. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Okay, we got a call here. Brother Leon, thank you for calling, and you're on the Heritage of Faith Conversations program. Good night, Leon. Good night, Pastor Rick, and uh, everyone, our listeners listening there. Uh, thank you, Pastor, for just uh, taking my call. I just wanted to leave you with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Three, Proverbs chapter 3, 5, and 6, he said, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And he should direct your part. I I never ever deny how God is have what He has done for me, and I look at the sandy flood, to all the flood mm. God has put me through every trial. I yeah. realize that the only way I can overcome all the struggles I'm going through is only if I keep my eyes on Jesus. Not only that, but that word trial is in every Christian life. You have to remember that you must go through the trial. Whether the storm is 10 years, 15 years, you have to go through it. That's how your faith becomes strong. As James said, know ye not that the trial of your faith work at patience. Mm. So in the midst of faith and going through the trial, you still have to bear it out. You have to seek it out, and you cannot give up. You can do whatever you want as a Christian. You're still going to go through a trial that God needs you to go through. So that's my idea of sharing why we have to keep our eyes on Him. Even if we're going through difficulties, Yeah, well, thank you for sharing that, Leon. We appreciate that, and we know you've experienced trials, as you mentioned. You were right there in the midst of Sandy. So thank you, brother. God bless you. Thank you for sharing that beautiful passage from Proverbs 3 tonight. So, Raul, Peter is sinking. What does he do now, and how does Jesus respond to Peter? He does what we should all do. He prayed. He prayed. quick, succinct, but to the point prayer, save me. Yeah. That's pretty simple, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of compre- that's a very comprehensive prayer in two words. Yeah. Save me. And that's really what Peter needed to hear at that moment. And so never stop praying even when you're sinking, right, dear friends? And so then how does the Lord diagnose Peter's problem, Micah? What, is, what does the Lord say to Peter when he lifts him up? Well, I think it's interesting that Jesus' name, Yeshua, you know, which is the Hebrew Old Testament, Joshua, his name means the Lord is salvation. So as Peter is saying, save me, Jesus, he's calling out to the one whose name actually means salvation. And he's saying to the one who came to save, he's saying, save me. So Jesus does then grab his hand, pull him up out of the water and save him. And they went into the boat 
and they worshipped the great I am. Last word, Micah? Um, as the disciples worship the great I am, we just remember all these I am statements of Jesus Christ, and we shouldn't forget them. And we can always go back and look at these individual stories where Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. Mm. I am the good Amen. shepherd. And if you remember that, friends, it's going to give you so much confidence as you go throughout your life and through the storms of life. Amen. Raul, thank you for being here tonight. Thank you. Wanda, you get well soon. Dear friends, Jesus is praying for you. His word is speaking, and he's powerful to lift you up. Good night. Thank you for tuning in to the Heritage of Faith Conversations radio program. To find out more about Heritage Baptist Church and our service times and locations, visit our website at hbcnyc.org. We stream multiple services online each week, including 11 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7.15 p.m. Wednesday nights. All are welcome, and you can find links to participate in our services on our website hbcnyc.org and join us again next Sunday at 6pm for another Heritage of Faith conversation sponsored by Heritage Baptist Church. Until then rejoice in the Lord.